contingency exactly. people. We do have some Zoomer listeners, but the majority are the uh, the wistful nostalgia nerds of like uh, thirty two to forty five. Is really our <laughs> fucking meat when it comes to our <laughs> listenership. Yeah, because they, they they also understand like collecting action figures in your in your late thirties and forties, uh, and <laughs> and the challenges that come along with that as your partner wants to put up like a Gustav Klimt print, but you're like, where where am I going to put my Spider Man signed? Yeah. Thing. My handle is Jonathan Blade. Welcome to my podcast. So what is a podcast? Well, this is, but really, what is it? Is it radio on demand? Is it YouTube for audio? Is it vanity blogging? Well, it's all of that and more. Podcasting is almost 20 years old with over 2 million individual podcasts and nearly 50 million episodes, with close to a billion dollars in ad revenue in 2021 alone. Podcasting is one of the ultimate manifestations of Web 2.0 in the digital age of user-created content, and today's guest is riding that wave. Mike the Hobbit Bicket is one of my long, long ago stand-up comedy contemporaries, but in the modern time, the modern time being over seven years, Mike has been the co-lead for the successful and ever-expanding Geeks Under the Influence network of podcasts here in Richmond, Virginia. Today, Mike is here to talk to us about podcasting and what he sees as the future of the craft and the business. Mike, welcome to My Handle is Jonathan Blade. Thank Welcome. you so much for that well thought out and uh, and lovely little intro. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy, happy to, to get here. you on. It has been a minute since we uh, started talking about my coming on your show with a number of different iterations of what I'd be coming on to discuss. But uh, finally, we've got it nailed down uh, yeah. with, our, with our schedules and uh, and just forgetting to. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> People get busy and it's all good because uh, you've come on to talk about something that we both love and both have a great appreciation for. So to start out this conversation, I'd like to ask you about your history with the craft, starting with not how you got into it, but what was the first podcast that you listened to? How did you discover podcasting? Do you remember? I do, actually. I was... Really getting to the point where I had access to a computer with enough speed that I could watch videos on the computer. I could download stuff. I could um, listen to music. It it was just getting to that point where it was uh, worthwhile to look at, at multimedia on the internet uh-huh. uh, when uh, YouTube was really starting to get hit big. And there were maybe four podcasts in the world <laughs> at that point. <laughs> I got to a couple of years later where I'm uh, looking for more individualized content. And that's what the internet has really been the best about is having such an access point that you can get these incredibly niche bits of content that fit to every tiny little bit of fandom or obsession. And being a big geek and pop culture nerd, one of the first things I looked to was comic book or geeky internet content. And when I discovered podcasts and mainly it was the re-recorded, the put on the internet versions of NPR (laughs) episodes Mm -hmm. that were up there along with some like Kevin Smith and like, but I just typed in on Apple podcasts, I think, or or it was just the iTunes at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I typed in like geeky podcast or something. 
and ran across a podcast from Salt Lake City called Geek Show. And uh, they had to have been one of the very early adopters of podcasting because this is before the Marvel Universe started that, that I found them. So that had to have been... Like 2007? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, whereabouts uh, that, that I found them. And they were already a, a few years in, I think, uh, a couple years in. And it was friends sitting around and making fun of each other and talking about geek and, geek and pop culture. And something about my love for that show definitely translated into what later became Geeks Under the Influence with enough changes to the format that it wasn't a direct ripoff. But in the inspiration of just thinking that a podcast literally could be friends sitting around and talking about things they love was a really exciting concept. Yeah, guys, Gabin is the that is the podcast genre. It's like NPR, like you said, because that's how I got into. I listened to NPR, and they were like, "We have a podcast." And then Guys Gabin was the next thing that I ran into. Mm-hmm. I mean, Guys Gabin about anything, but Guys Gabin is the the uh, the ingress into the world of podcasting because that's how you find your your incredibly niche thing, whatever that thing is. Definitely, it's funny that it's become just a trope at this point of podcasting. That me as a uh, as a chubby bearded cis white male uh, talking about Marvel movies on the internet, I don't know just how if you can really call that a niche anymore. Uh, that is just <laughs> like half of podcasts at this point. <laughs> yes, it is. It is the realm of podcasting, but you know, it's not just. It's not half as Marvel movie guys. It's bearded guys sitting around talking about technology which was my ingress bearded guys talking about movies bearded guys talking about hateful politics so yes all the things are represented in the world of podcasting you should have called it the bearded guy network i think instead of (laughs) some of the influence well there's still time but your your brand is pretty big at this point and it's too late to turn back our brand is already out there so we're kind of stuck with what we got so what was your uh, let's get the gang together moment like? It was, I think, the same story as a lot of people had. And there's, I mean, I've even seen skits on YouTube about making fun of this moment where you're sitting around and talking with friends and you're cracking each other up. And you know each other's senses of humor so well that you're bouncing off of each other. You're yes anding, You're just having a good time. And one of the friends sitting around uh, after they probably take a pull off of a bong or something goes like, hey, guys, this could be a podcast. And then there you go. And that's it's the side pretty close moment. to, yeah, it really, it is not far off from how my experience was friends sitting around talking about Star Wars and comic books as we do drinking some beer and thought, you know, this is funny. It's not going to hurt us to give it a shot to try to, you know, make this a podcast, do it as a thing. And little did they know that when I get, you know, obsessive about a thing, like it becomes a dominating force in my life mm-hmm. and that it wouldn't be one or two episodes that we did, but I would continue to get them to come over and <laughs> record this dumb thing. Uh, even when it sounded like garbage, like the first episode isn't, or wasn't available online. It's it downloadable <laughs> as a zip file along with the first 41 episodes that all sound less like garbage than episode one, but not great. So it's now a zip file. Last thing I wanted was a new listener to go, oh, what's this show? And then click click on episode three and go, oh, it's unlistenable. And then just never hear us again. So so uh, that is fully understandable. But you know, the, the shit show episodes are also a part of the character of the show. Like you don't want that to be the first episode somebody listens to. But, and I sure. don't know what the solution to that is, but you do want something like that to be available to show that the people have character, especially if you're 
really in a uh, casual guys having casual fun kind of atmosphere. Like since everybody on the cast, I think that's is a tagline for an app that's uh, <laughs> that deals with something entirely different. Just casual guys having, having casual, casual fun. fun. Casual in, men in chaps. <laughs> in chaps. <laughs> so those first say couple of years as you're building an idea of what the show should be at what point did you think let's splinter some stuff off into its own show that kind of came out of necessity due to the popularity of not necessarily the show it to listeners uh, but to participants of the show uh, we, we were definitely getting more of a built built audience uh, for the show of listeners but also it we had gotten it down to the point where the audio was actually decent. So people were excited to be on because it was something they weren't embarrassed to show their friends anymore. Uh-huh. It was uh, something that was actually able to be listened to. And we had gotten kind of a, a rhythm down as far as what the shows were like. So they ended up being a ton of fun. It was a, just a good time to hang out with friends and shoot the shit and have a good time. So with the number of people that were asking to be on so regularly, we were running into people wanting to come right back on the next episode and us being like, we got two months of people before you can be on again. And with some of our regulars that helped us start the show in the first place that were used to being on every couple of episodes, that was kind of a bummer that, you know, they used to have so much access and then they didn't suddenly because we wanted to have different voices. We wanted to have different perspective and insights and backgrounds. And, and so the solution to that was talking with them about, What's your voice? What do you want to talk about? If you had a show, what would it look like? And uh, conversations started. And once those conversations started, these concepts started developing, formats started developing. And that's when I knew I was in trouble because that only then did it click that, oh, I'm going to have to teach everybody everything (laughs) because I didn't know what I was doing when I started. And that's why the first 41 episodes are in a downloadable file on our website instead of (laughs) on the stream is that it's hot garbage. And if it, it was mainly because I didn't have any resources, I didn't have anybody to look to. I, I didn't have anybody I knew that podcasted that I could like lean on and bend an ear. So I had to read blogs after blogs and watch YouTube videos and just trial and error and figure stuff out. And it was a ton of work. And some of that's important to get that trial and error, but not all of it. I wouldn't feel comfortable making other people go through the same pitfalls that I did to figure it out. So I had to basically hold classes on making podcasts and people would meet up at my house and I'd plug my computer into the TV and show them how to edit on audacity. I created worksheets with walkthroughs on editing. I uh, was there as a resource via text or phone calls uh, for the better part of, I mean, still, but heavy leaning on for about the better part of a year as everybody was getting their legs on uh, getting their shows together. And uh, one by one, they started popping up on this on the same stream as GUI until we had six shows. And I had to go, okay, we have to get separate streams now. Nobody wants six shows on the same stream, you know? What was the first show? What was the first show beyond GUI? Uh, the first show technically was GUI Precap with the Bruce, where he does a little five-minute thing at the beginning mm-hmm. of the week to talk about what's coming out. He had done something similarly before, in the past for another podcast and he came on pretty quickly uh, and offered that as an idea. And I said, cool. Like, what do you need from me? Like, do you need training and stuff? He said, no, I got it as long as we're good. And then a week later, I just got an email with the file and it was done. I went, that was the easiest onboarding I could have ever asked for. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> so uh, the rest were less 
of a simple situation. The first one was I'm trying to remember. I, I had a show for a little while called Quite Contrary, which was a, a, a debate show, basically. Oh. And it was a lot of fun, but just the format was a little off. It needed a tweak. It needed something. And uh, Smack My Pitch Up ended up taking over uh, for that at one point. But it was either that or I want to say Beautiful Disasters might have been the next one. By maybe a, maybe a week or two, because it was Geek Fathers and uh, Beautiful Disasters that I think were next. Well, uh, where, where did the live show fall in that? Just out of curiosity. Oh, the B- Booze Clues. Booze Clues. Yep. That that was one of the last shows that we had released on the network. Uh, that had only been around for about a year uh, when we stopped doing it, and uh, which was a bummer. But I mean, it was it was when you're doing live shows during a pandemic, you know. Uh, <laughs> there's, when yeah. you lean on it being a live show, that's kind of a challenge. But um, yeah, I think the uh, concept there, of a live show is interesting, but that's not my personal favorite format. There's some shows that I listen to that the live shows are coveted. I love them. I think the live shows are so much more fun. Uh, there's other shows that, honestly, the, the live shows are kind of hard to keep track of mm-hmm. with a podcast. So it really depends. And so I, I really wanted to develop something that leaned on being a live show for the network since it was something we hadn't done before. Every show that I've done, I try to make it different in one way or another. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't want to do four versions of the same show. That's why. Deeply upsetting with uh, my partner in life and crime, uh, Amy Bogard. Uh, that was our first static two-person panel show where it was just the same two people over and over again. And then we've got Smack My Pitch Up where I was the only host, although that will be changing in the very near future. But also it, it's a deeper dive into one particular property versus GUI, which tends to be a more a wider net is cast with, with that show. And uh, a, a number of participants as opposed to just two. And Booze Clues was kind of a my take on true crime because, you know, true crime is so popular. We figured just have the stories about, you know, the, the Florida man getting up into his hijinks <laughs> and, and the like. And then just trying to, like, investigate what actually happened. The challenge that came with that, too, was right around the time that COVID was starting, there was another conversation happening in this country about police overstep about aggressive use of force, about uh, even seeing in Richmond the difference between what actually happened and what was being reported by the police to the newspapers mm-hmm. uh, were, was uh, dramatically different and verifiably different. You could watch video from people posting it on Twitter and it being totally different than what was reported. That was the moment where I realized that us leaning on these stories from the papers around the country and the world to do this fun pick on somebody lightheartedly there was potential for us to pick on somebody for something that was misreported mm-hmm. that uh that it was maybe the worst day of their life that they were heavily embarrassed about that they were actually not at fault in one way shape or form and we were taking the piss out of them for something that was misreported or was straight out lied about just for the because of the nature of uh of police enforcement right now uh yeah and, i think you take that chance with anything locally topical generally yeah it just it, it it was one of those things that I have absolutely uh, I'd be willing to revisit that concept. But at the time that we were discussing its future when, and because we couldn't really go live anymore because the place that we did it live was closed because mm. of COVID. Um, the conversation was like, well, if we're going to have to reinvent the wheel here for, for this show, is it worth putting that energy into something that might be actually kind of Harmony. drawing attention away from 
the subject matter at hand, which is, you know, misreporting and, and police overstretch. And it made more sense just to step away from the show for, for now and let that conversation be had without uh, worrying about muddling it with our yuck yucks. So, No, which is completely understandable. Tangentially, I'd like to ask you about if you had engaged, because I think both of these precede the Geeks Under the Influence Network by a a bit, Uh, if you had ever uh, listened to the Off the Pad podcast with Corey Marshall and Jaya Toller, two comedians from Richmond who started a podcast, I think in early 2014, had you ever heard their show? No, I think think I'm familiar with the name. Um, There were... It was that show and I think like three other shows, podcasts in Richmond, when we were getting going. Um, uh, and there's another comedian from Richmond. I don't think he started this in Richmond, but there was a comedian from Richmond named Jesse Thomas who made a show called I Made This. Uh, I, I was familiar with I Made This. There was uh, another show that was just a dude obsessed with the Misfits and the Smiths um, and pop culture called Life Leave Me Alone uh, that was out. There was uh, Cut the Cord was a kind of more of an internet radio style show versus a podcast, but, uh, but still in that sphere, you know, they recorded live and streamed live on YouTube when they went live and stuff. And I think there was like one or two others. It was a pretty barren wasteland for podcasts locally, at least in, uh, in 2015. So very early on, like at the be- the very beginning of podcasts, there was a local, he was a radio guy, but he was trying to start, an internet stream that I don't know if he planned on it being weekly, but it wanted it to be a regular thing. He picked a group of comedians. He's like, I think you guys can be funny about these local political issues. And then he presented the issues and had us like riff on the issues. And uh, we were all too dumb about local politics to make it work. So it, oh damn, <laughs> we recorded like an episode and a half and he's like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't quite working. Yeah. That's, this is a great concept. <laughs> I think that would have worked if, yeah, if it wasn't young, dumb comics that don't give a shit about politics. Yeah. So. Well, it, it's it wasn't it wasn't that it was politics because we could have riffed on politics. It was local sure. politics, which is something that I am guilty of. I don't watch local news. I, I barely know what's going on locally most of the time, which is bad because most of the stuff that goes down goes down where you live for you. Sure, so it, it would make sense to keep abreast of what's going on locally. But yeah, I was not up to the task. Even now that I'm older staying on, uh, in touch with local politics, especially in such a uh, interesting town as Richmond can be uh, when it comes to local politics. Um, it, sometimes you just need a break because it, in global politics, you can, you're separated enough fr- from it that you don't feel like as affected by it. But then yeah. local politics, this is all stuff that's happening down the street from you. And there's a lot of stuff in Richmond, like consistently that happens down the street from you. Oh, it could be murder or it could be statues being taken down or possible race riots. Like who knows? It's it's just spin that wheel, figure out that day what's going to happen. And part of it is also the response the city has to it is that there's such a dramatic polarization in this uh, city as far as people can look at the same thing and see five different versions of it. It's an, and, it's an interesting town. I think that you find what Richmond is in a lot of places where you have a university city that kind of helps drive the economy of that city, but the surrounding areas, especially in a lot of the southern southern states, the surrounding areas are not philosophically the same sure. as the city itself. As uh, Austin was described by, I think, Patton Oswalt, was a little blue dot in a sea of red, yep. as uh, I put it. 
And Richmond does suffer that a little bit as well. A good example, if you ever have the mental wherewithal to do so, if you just jump onto Facebook and click on literally any Richmond Times Dispatch article and look at the comments, it could be about plumbing. It could be about uh, increase like cost of housing. It could be about this new flower season begins. It does not matter. The vitriol, <laughs> the raw, aggressive hate that is just pouring out of the comments in every single comment thread uh, from local news is unbelievable. It's almost impressive if it wasn't so horrifyingly depressing. And I'm sure it's not just Richmond either, is that anybody listening outside of Richmond, if you go to your local news and you open the comments and look at it, especially if you live in an area that has some like significant polarization, like uh, ethically or intellectually or, or uh, politically, you're, you're going to see that same kind of thing. And it's just a reminder that like, oh, everyone's hot garbage. I guess I'll go hide in my home. Yeah, no, yeah. it could be anything. It could be it could be. Uh, a meme that's like, I love chocolate donuts. And then the first comment underneath is, of course, colors like chocolate donuts. Don't yeah. I, I actually am very good at not. So my social media addiction, and everybody knows this at this point, is Twitter. Twitter's where I live. Uh, Twitter's not toxic for me because the Twitter that I engage in is not toxic. It's all about, sure. you know, nerd, specific nerd stuff. And any political stuff is usually stuff that, I align with, and then I just don't read the comment threads under that. Sure. It works out really well. Facebook is a little bit, you catch a little bit more flack if you go digging around in Facebook. You see the nasty stuff very yeah. easily on Facebook. All you have to do is have like a friend that is of a certain philosophy, and you'll see the stuff that you don't really care to see. So, yeah, like Facebook, everybody had this friend when they were younger that was like the instigator. And that's what Facebook is, is that you're like, you're, you're, Coworkers, friend that you met once out like after work drinks or something that is your Facebook friend could comment on like a street racing page from somewhere in New England and Facebook will be like, did you see what he said over here? <laughs> you should go check it out. Like he said that Honda Civics are pieces of shit or you know, it doesn't matter like anything. And Facebook's like, this is incredibly important com content. You should probably Take a look. We're going to add a notification uh, and then contact you on your phone to let you know this person that you barely know talked about something you don't give a shit about. They're like, you're, and they're what just, are you like, doing, Facebook? Uh, we're driving engagement. Yeah, exactly. They're like, not enough people cared about Honda Civics. I'm like, okay, so I don't either. I don't know what to tell you. It's <laughs> So as somebody, you, as somebody who is conscious and passionate in the realm of fun podcasts that the, uh, that the nature of the, the Geeks Under the Influence Network uh, surrounds, have you ever thought about adding a political or a politically aligned podcast to the roster? There's been conversations off and on, uh, but I don't think so. I think the, the challenge is, is that the network wants to have some kind of like common connective tissue. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is common and connective to us in, in this network is that we try to think of ourselves as though we have plenty of opinions uh, between all of us um, and not all of them are in agreement with one another. None of those opinions are uh, ones that exclude others. 
we're we're a very inclusive network. We want all sorts of different opinions and ideas from different people and different backgrounds and ideologies and and fandoms. We don't want to be gate, gatekeepers, which is such a problem in the geek and pop culture community. Uh-huh. Is people that act like that just because they got into a thing earlier, they're better somehow, or they'd have more info than they're better. And the whole point of GUI is that there's people of varying levels of knowledge on the subject matter that are on these shows. So we're asking each other questions during the shows. We're we're showing that it's okay to not know everything and not pretend like you do. Because I know I did it, and I know a lot of people did when they were younger, you know, whether it be like punk rock bands or Star Wars characters where somebody would mention something like, oh, yeah, no, I know about that and <laughs> really have no clue. I it It's... Anything we can do to help people move away from that because they don't feel they need to anymore. And the reason there's that response is because people gatekeep. So you don't want to come off as like the one that gets ridiculed for not knowing, you know, anything about Wedge Antilles, you know, it's okay to not know stuff because then by mentioning you don't, there's the opportunity to be informed by it. And And to actually have a conversation with other people as opposed to at other people. Yeah. Like I love sharing information about stuff I care about. That's I've like 82 podcasts. Like that's <laughs> I love talking about shit that I love. So I can't imagine somebody coming up to me and being like, which one was the 11th doctor? And me being like, you piece of shit. <laughs> like, how do you not know who the 11th doctor is? Oh my God. Just get out of my presence. I can't, I can't be around you. That's disgusting to me. That's well, that so... sounds like a new podcast unto itself. You don't know who the 11th Doctor is, is the podcast, and you just ridicule the guests when they come on and they don't know who the 11th Doctor is. That sounds incredible uh, for the the for the, uh, the gatekeeper toxic fandom network, but uh, for GUI, not so much. No, I, I, uh, I do respect what you do and uh, trying to bring people in, and that you've spoken to that several times on the shows, that uh, you're trying to be an inclusive present uh, presenting inclusive media and if you do make mistakes you want to hear about it i've mentioned that on the shows when i've changed my opinion on things moving down the line like when birds of prey first came out i was not a fan i did not enjoy that movie i thought it was stupid um i i thought it was uh just trying to be like a deadpool movie and it didn't have any value into it of itself and and after watching it like one or two more times afterwards, I can't say that it's like my favorite movie that I'm like a stand for it now or anything, but it did give me the opportunity to recognize its value on its own, that it's not just a knockoff of Deadpool, that it is doing some of its own stuff. And there is, oh, there is some value to it, especially when it comes to in like empowering female fans of comics. And that, a different point of view uh, from which sure. to uh, perceive those characters. So Birds of Prey is interesting because the Harley in that movie doesn't work for me, but I don't think it's a bad movie, but that Harley doesn't work for me, but it works for so many women because it represents a point of view that, that they, they grok to like, sure. uh, yep. and my favorite Harley I... is the one from the suicide squad, because that is a comic book character. It, it's like a, that presentation is, Oh, this is why this person is badass. That might not be the most important thing to somebody who has come to the theater to watch Harley Quinn. That might not be the aspect of that character that's most important to somebody else. That's why it's it, it, it's important with stuff like Birds of Prey for me to express that I've had a change of feeling or I thought about it further because 
it adds to the culture of not being gatekeepers or not being toxic with your fandom is that 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 presents the opportunity for other people to mention when they change their minds about stuff like and it be okay not be ridiculed for it not be uh not be so protective of your opinion on something that you don't see reason or you don't find further insight because at the end of the day for me geek and pop culture stuff that what i love about it is, is it's wrapping incredibly deep and complicated and confusing concepts about the human experience into these fun like exciting packages and I, I do glean some insight through these uh, these exciting, colorful packages I about my experience in life. And so if I can glean experience, um, uh, some kind of understanding of other people, yeah. their experiences, well, their viewpoint through that same that same way, then I consider it a, a gift. And I wouldn't want to ignore that just because it doesn't fit my current perspective. You know, that, that's, Definitely. that's sad. Um, that's why I don't get the conversation happens all the time about until recent years that a, a woman or a minority uh, hero wouldn't be able to be, to lead a, a movie property, uh, a superhero movie property, which is ludicrous to anybody that thinks about it for more than two seconds. But it was because they hadn't before was the proof that they couldn't. And I think the big and, thing with that is that there were just certain old men, certain very old men who were pushing that philosophy. Sure. Well, and the, the dangers of having, you know, minorities in roles of power is that it suggests that they might be like equal to or able to excel past you at some point. Like it, the concept of like, you aren't better just because you exist, you know, dis- disappears. That that goes away when you start to look at the world from other perspectives. And the thing that I love about storytelling is gaining insight. Like, why would you read something if you didn't want to learn anything from it? I already have read all the books about, like, chubby guy gets the girl at the end. You know, like, I've, <laughs> I've seen that story. I like that story. I, I, I'm happy to read more of those stories, watch those stories. But I'm more interested in the stories that I don't know as well. And gives me some insight because it's a perspective I can't have. Like, I'm in- incapable of having due to my life experience. That's more exciting to me. But that's also why this network is so important to me is that we, we try to incorporate that into our conversations as well as that having differences of opinion on the show and not ruining each other's lives about it. Unless it's Kyle liking Superman, that is <laughs> gloves are off. He's going to be fucked with no matter what, but, uh, but the, also the reason why uh, let's say, but going back to what started part of this conversation, why a, a political show isn't really the right fit for the network is because in some version of the multiverse um gui has a po- political show that does follow that same ethos of being open-minded and tolerant and giving uh space for people to have different ideas and perspectives and it's a political show but the problem is is that even if we have that show on this network the audience listening to it wouldn't be able to live in that bubble with us like yeah. they they all live out in the real world and so that show would have such a likelihood of being pulled in by its listeners into the all-out fist fight in politics that's happening in this country right now. Yeah, it, true it, that. Also, it, it its very existence would influence the other shows perceptually. Just the fact sure. that it existed on that network. So I, I feel you. Yeah, and um, and the thing is, with the other shows, we can have strong opinions about stuff. But the things we have strong opinions about on the other shows are like cartoon characters. You know, like they, <laughs> this isn't like the future of our country. This is like which Batman is best. You know, when it comes to like things that affect <laughs> us in a, a fundamental level, like 
me thinking that, it, that you know, I don't know, let's go with Val Kilmer is the best Batman. That terrible and wrong opinion. Uh, there aren't many opinions that are wrong, but that is one of them. That isn't going to make my neighbor starve, you know? Like, it's not going to have any real effect on the world. Oh, so, good, because Val Kilmer is the best Batman. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Joking. Although he <laughs> yeah. is he's a very handsome, uh, striking Bruce Wayne. Yes, the uh, the blonde-haired Bruce Wayne. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. we... Everybody's got to have a look. So uh, <laughs> in that same vein, because I'm going down the list here of, of genres, you already do Making a Drunken Scene. The other, or one of the other popular genres of podcasting is the audio play. Have you ever considered hosting an audio play podcast on the network? Uh, not just considered. Uh, we have a concept that we're playing around with, with uh, one of our regular panelists uh, that we've been playing around with for a couple of years. The problem that we haven't have had so far with pulling the trigger is that it would be a season show. So it'd be like 10 to 12 episodes. Or I think it was 10 to 14. We hadn't uh, hit a bullseye on that yet. It'd be released probably twice a year. So two seasons per year to give a little break in between to record. And because it's, a, that is a lot more work than what we do. Currently. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's, script there's and a, stuff. you got a script and you've got to, you, you got to treat it like a, you would an actual like video drama, you know, you can give different takes and the, well, depending on the quality that you want to come out, but there's also sound effects possible that come into play and background music. And I mean, there's a lot more to consider. We, we have a concept. I don't want to talk about it too much, in the stage that it's in currently, mm -hmm. but uh, we do have an idea that we're toying with and uh, hopefully we'll see something with that in the next, well, hopefully year, but we'll, we'll see. We're, we're, uh, we got some stuff moving uh, this year with, with the network and I'm excited to see it happen. And hopefully that will also give us the opportunity to have more, more hands on deck for some of the bigger projects that we're working on. That's awesome. So I like the idea that you have, covered all the bases i, I like that i like because it's an expansive network involving a lot of people you're the wu-tang clan of richmond virginia and uh <laughs> if wu-tang could not rap uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, some, and had some really strong opinions about the 2016 ghostbusters then yes we are wu-tang that's uh that's so to, to circle back um at what point in uh the formation of geeks under the influence did you think to yourself wow this could be a business I, oh, there's been a couple times that I had this moment of like, well, shit. Because <laughs> like, you think in that moment where you reach a level of, uh, of success that you go, awesome. Like this actually could turn into something you'd be excited about it. But it, for me, it was really the opposite because when you're yourself and your friends, and for the most part, that's still what we do, but you don't think anybody's listening. You know, uh -huh. you can do what you want, say what you want. It's just a fun exercise in expression and creativity. There isn't any responsibility to it. You know, you maintain those release schedules and you do it the way that you're supposed to, because that's just kind of the nature of the game. And part of the challenge is if you're going to do it, do it well and do it right. And you do that long enough. And then suddenly you realize that people are listening and people do give a, a crap about it. And they want more of a thing, you know, that, that you have the opportunity to turn it into something bigger than it actually is. All of a sudden, all that idea of being fun and fancy free and without any kind of repercussions for anything you do, no responsibilities besides the ones that you have to yourself, just jump out of a window. They <laughs> just, it, they disappear. 
And then suddenly you're faced with this idea that like, crap, like what I say, what we do has an effect on people, even minorly, you know, again, we're not passing laws or anything, but we are something that people, some people like to incorporate into their day. And that's important. I know how important the content I take in weekly is to me. And so it's like, well, crap, like th- then it's, then it's the, the ang- anxiety making you think maybe I should quit. Maybe I should, maybe I should quit. Like, yeah, no, maybe, maybe it's not the, the, the time to quit. And then realizing that like success is not a bad thing. And, and that being scared of success is a uh, reaction based on like a lot of people have PTSD from the things that have happened in their life or, or that have made them feel less than or suffer from like anxiety and depression. These are all things that can lead to you having an opinion of yourself that when there are things that happen positively in your life, uh, your immediate reaction is to try to destroy that or if not destroy that, belittle it or ignore it because that doesn't fit the story you have in your head that you're a piece of crap. (laughs) So, yeah. um, And there's also the fear of responsibility. Yep. You know, in your position, you're not only responsible for yourself. The brand, this brand represents you, is disseminated by a, a Wu Tang clan of people. Yep. The the thing that made me it helped a little bit with that, besides you know therapy, is uh, <laughs> is also the way that I looked at the show. Is that up to that point, it was definitely super connected to me. Like my connection to it. If my my temperament was based on how while I was doing the show, not the numbers that never really mattered, but as far as like, if it was fun to record the episode and uh, if we got the episode out on time and the edit went well, and you know, that kind of stuff would have a direct effect on me. And I had to back away from that part of it a little bit and learn to have a little bit of autonomy from the thing that I'm helping create, you know, because when you're that close to it, something as simple as you lose an episode because uh, you know, it, the file corrupted or something can Mm -hmm. be, detrimental to your mental health and at that point it's not helping anything that's not good <laughs> you shouldn't shouldn't have that much of a like a dramatic effect to to something that in the end of the day it as heart sinking as it is is kind of trivial it's not the end of the world so yeah, you can um, always come back from that yeah so looking at instead of we all the time meaning like gui and me together like like it I, it's a symbiote that I wear, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was separate things that I was a part of that, um, that all of us are a part of that GUI is the brand that I'm pushing that I, you know, I might've been formative in its creation, but now I like everybody else that's involved in the network. We're there pushing this idea that this is something that the world wants and that is better because it exists. And that is, that is our theory is that the world is better with GUI existing in it. And, all of the the attempts at getting a bigger audience and getting cooler guests on and like more exciting episodes on is to draw more attention to this cool little thing that we created together. This, this like precious little thing that means the world to us because we're so proud of it. Like a, like a newborn child that we want everyone to come and see it. You know, look at this cool thing. When you look at it that way, as opposed to something that is it's, success or failure is directly related to how much of a piece of crap you are. Um, And you look at it as this, like when there was no reason for something so cool to exist, it existed anyway. And you want to protect it because wow, it, it happened. Then it's less of a 
oh crap moment and it's a like let's see how far this goes like let's see how many people we can get into this thing let's see let's see what we can get away with because we have a thing to point to and say i'm important look i'm part of this thing and then if people believe us then they take us seriously you know yeah Um, it's a hell of a moment yeah and it's big enough that you actually have brought on people you've had guests who are important in their field like the first time i heard you talk to somebody famous i was like oh that is really interesting i wonder how that came about how do you go about pulling in those folks like cons or what uh, cons are part of it, but not. It, it's really from all sorts of different directions the opportunities become available. Some of it is networking. You know a guy that knows a guy kind of thing, and you find uh, the right email address or phone number. Some of it is what they, what they call cold calling, uh, where if you have, you know, there's a movie coming out or there's a, a themed episode or something that you think a person would be the right fit for, and you just try to track down some way of contacting them or their or their representation, and you just kind of wish for the best others it's yeah conventions is rubbing elbows with the right people at the right time and if a celebrity at a convention is let's say in the mindset of i'm here to hang out with my audience and that's what they're planning on doing that weekend they're there for that and you find a moment that isn't oppressive to them to ask for that favor of them giving you a few minutes of their time most of the time they're going to be pretty responsive to that if if you're coming at it looking like hey we're in and out we got all our equipment ready to go like we're we know how to do this thing so if you have four minutes that's all we need is you know you can and then usually it goes way longer than four minutes because everybody likes talking about themselves (laughs) um but uh yeah it's just knowing the best way to approach people um it's knowing how to phrase an email holy crap Uh, that's that is huge is just to sound important enough to be paid attention to, but not acting so important that they don't want, don't want to deal with you. You know, you, you, you got to give them reason to want to be involved in whatever you're doing. It's kissing the ring a little bit, but not so much that they're freaked out that you might be a creepy fanboy that might lock <laughs> the, them in your basement. Um, it doesn't have to be either or, Mike. It can be and. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've run into that before where the approach has been wrong, where it's like, oh, my God, I'm such a huge fan. Like, I, oh, it would be great if you ever had any time to, like, come on or, like, even give us a phone call. That would be totally fine. It's the same thing as, like, the guy that's asking a girl out on a date. Like, I don't know. I mean, you don't have to. But if you have, you know, this weekend, if I don't know if you I mean, you probably don't. You probably have a date with somebody else. But if you don't, then if you want to go out, it's the same thing but with a celebrity and celebrities got to talk to people all the time. Anyway, they're not going to want to talk to somebody that is like creepy about it. Like, leave not... me alone, Michael, Sarah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if somebody's cool about it, like, Oh, I just heard that you're doing this like off Broadway thing. Like I haven't been able to find much about it. If you got a few minutes, I'd love to ask you about that. And you know, the other stuff that you've done, then they're going to be like, fuck it. Hey, you know about the off Broadway thing that I'm doing, you know, and you, you find that, the reason why they might be interested to talk to you. And that's oftentimes their pet projects. That is so, so cool. I think that the idea of somebody I know starting a network like this is cool in itself, but growing your network to the level that you have the confidence where you're like, yes, I think I can make this happen for my show. I have the numbers that I feel confident that I can make this happen for my show is so cool. It's It's cool. And it's also, you know, Feeding your ego when you need to, um, in, in for out of necessity because you need it to be functioning to a degree to get some shit done, but also knowing when to starve it a little bit is that it in the same breath 
you need to go, it's not a big deal to contact so-and-so famous person. Um, they're just another person. And hey, they might want to talk about the nonprofit that they started or something. And that's the end. But in that same breath, be. But if they say no, that makes sense. Because who am I? I'm a piece of shit. Why would they want to talk to me? And that's cool. And then just like let it slide off your back. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not phrased that way, but you yeah, need to. I feel like uh, we need to like maybe turn the mic off and talk about this piece <laughs> of shit thing for a while. No, that's honestly, that's kind of where the, the whole podcasting thing came from is that I was going through a tough spot and I needed something to focus on. I don't feel that like I'm a piece of shit part with the, the podcast anymore. You know, that's not how I was, but I reference it because that's kind of my running joke is that that's how I, how I was when this started. When you started it's, when, when uh, the, the show was, uh, Hey, let's see how long it takes us to become unintelligible on the microphone. Yeah. That, that was the, uh, the working title to start of the show <laughs> was, was that. So um, yeah, it, it, was a means of me trying to f- build my confidence level up a little bit, find something creative and, uh, and something to do with my time. And it did all that, but more so it gave me uh, the ability to like stretch my creative muscles a little bit and feel like I'm, I'm capable of doing stuff. And also t- that I don't have to do stuff for anybody else besides me. I can do what I want to have fun. And if the end of the day, I'm not successful at it and I'm okay with that result, then the freedom there is incredible that may be the result but a lot of the time it's not you know in even little wins like getting a press pass to a place or getting an interview with somebody you didn't think that you'd be able to get an interview with or getting god forbid a sponsorship and then you make some money is is crazy and it's it's there it's available it's possible but it does require doing it the right way even if you don't think anybody's listening yeah and putting so putting in the work and the time and learning and teaching people. And now you're a big man. So what is the future of podcasting, big man? Not just for the GUI network, but in general, such a fast-growing genre, especially because of the pandemic. Uh, Everybody and their grandmother started a podcast. It's all out there. uh, To the point where in 2020, there were a million podcasts for the first time ever on Apple Podcasts in June of 2020. That they hit that mark of active podcasts in, I think March of 2021, that went to two million. So it took 15 years to get to a million podcasts. It took one year to get to two, and then just recently, Spotify uh, announced that they had active podcasts on their network, three and a half million podcasts. The speed in which podcasts are being added is absolutely insane it's uh a lot of it is brands uh businesses are recognizing that everybody has a podcast now you have to have a podcast you've got to add your podcast there's bagel shops with podcasts there's uh you know very uh boring you know industrial companies that have podcasts now it's like just everybody another marketing has... tentpole yep something that you and, have to do and that is why the the future the next five years of podcasting are going to be incredibly interesting to watch because when this started, it was the wild, wild west. That's one of the things that I was drawn to by uh, podcasting was that I, I came from that like DIY punk rock ethos kind of thing of, you know, you buy that off the rack guitar at a pawn shop and you get together with your friends and you just sing about how authority is dumb. And then, uh, and, and then you drink beer and party, but you like build each other up and you support each other and you go to each other's shows and you like make your own, you make your own logos and you, make the art yourself and you record it yourself. And 
Um, you don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. You do it. And then if nobody listens, fuck it, you had a good time doing it. And that's exactly my approach to podcasting. And that's exactly kind of how we got into this mess and how a lot of podcasters did. It was just a creative outlet. Um, yeah. And you've gotten really good with the art, by the by. Very impressive. I, I'm really stoked that um, my, my skills have improved because the early designs on stuff were not terrible, but definitely a little simpler. And uh, as time has gone on, yeah, my, my ability with the Photoshopping has improved significantly. So, yeah, I think uh, the uh, GUI Masters of the Universe logo is one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen a small creator make in my time. It is it is lovely. It is perfect. It I was so it, that was supposed to be just a design that went off with the episode. I wasn't planning on releasing that in our merch or anything because I'll try to release like some thrown together design for the episode. But occasionally I get like a creative spark and I spend a little too much time on those. And then it, then that's where a lot of our merch comes from. And that's mm -hmm. definitely one of them. I have that on a hoodie. Um, that design, it looks awesome. It, yeah. It's uh, to the point where I don't like comment complimenting myself that much, or at least without some critique to go along with it. And I looked at it and went, well, shit, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's really cool. <laughs> And that, that does happen sometimes. But yeah, that's that's how this network grew, is just learning how to do a, every every job on the ship, you know, to make it sail is is what we had to do. And uh, and so I, I can do everything. I, and I can go from, like, looking at the analytic side of the show and who's listing, what what uh, age group or, or whatever, all that information, and then uh, translate that into how do we bolster those numbers, to designing the stuff, to editing the episodes, to coming up with episode ideas, to being the thing that started this, which is literally just wanting to crack jokes on a microphone with my friends. I still get to do that, luckily. The natural transition from stand-up comedy. Uh, stand-up was the cathartic release 20 years ago. Now it's podcasting. <laughs> podcasting is part of that conversation of of niche. that uh, ed, Podcasting along with YouTube and uh, and viral videos and, and TikToks and, and the TikToks, uh, they're all in the same boat in that when the internet came about, it, the this the versions of media that we found ourselves paying attention to on the internet were versions of television and radio and it was with a much more niche approach to it where you didn't have to just watch the four channels you know you could there was an endless number of channels available to you and so most of them were um, porn yeah pretty much <laughs> but just but no but that's another example of is that if you li listen to a style of music the absolute insane amount of subgenres that are out there in the world now versus and that exploded with the internet you, it, it's almost like a perfect arch of porn subgenres music subgenres and uh and like niches of sketch comedy and stuff on youtube and podcasts with whatever subjects is that when you have all the access in the world you don't have to be the radio dj that is talking to every demographic you can be Speaking to 28-year-old women in in Irvine, and that's it, and tell everybody else to fuck off. And there might be enough that identify with that content that you can make a living at it. Yes, and that is the thing. But that's also the trick because, especially in the geeks under the influence genre of guys gabbing about pop culture stuff, that market is saturated. You guys got it, it at a good point in time, build an audience, and build a network 
that really works and is great. But at this point in time, how does Geeks Under the Influence promote itself? Uh, what are your avenues of promotion? But also, if someone is starting a podcast and they really want it to grow in an existing genre, which is almost everything, almost every genre is an existing genre, how do you promote and grow your podcast going forward? That That is tough. I mean, it, there isn't really like a, a perfect answer to that. Um, part of the... Part of the thing with super niche stuff is that, and and also just like the 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 internet version of multimedia in general is that uh, is that people get stuck in their bubbles. That I mean, it's, you're seeing it happen with politics as well. Is that when you have all the access to all the different versions of things, you end up only listening to the ones that like you agree with or want to listen to. Um, then then you find yourself missing out on a, a plethora of other experiences that that you could be exposed to and. That is also the way that you find your your mark that uh, that separates you from the herd of other geek and pop culture shows. Is that for us the it's something that I'm so little, but pairing booze with the subject matter um, that differentiated us from all the shows that they were doing almost the same thing, just sitting around talking about Star Wars and dick jokes and drinking <laughs> beer. But the fact that we tried to bring on like specialty beverages to pair with the subject matter was enough of a difference that people were like, oh, they're doing, they're doing Doctor Who or they're doing He-Man. Like, what would you drink while watching He-Man? You know, it, it, it was just a little bit sliver more of something different that, um, that would put us ahead of other shows as far as li- a reason to listen. You're looking at that as much as podcasting is pushing away from major radio as far as like it's leaning into the niche as opposed to trying to incorporate everyone having differences of opinion on the same show, not only kind of combats the the bubble syndrome that a lot of people come into where they are only listening to the same opinions and the same ideas over and over again. And that's where you get people that are supposed to fans of star Wars that shit on literally everything that comes out that star Wars, uh, because they are in this cycle because they're listening to the same toxic fandom over and over again, saying that everything new sucks and n- nothing new is good. And so even if something good comes out, they can't even recognize it because they're so stuck in those cycles. Um, it's the same politics. It's the same with like e- everything is that to have differing opinions, you're combating that, which is a, I think at this point, anybody in media, it's a responsibility uh, to us to, to save the world by reincorporating differences of opinion as being okay to a degree. The show itself for almost any given show is not terribly interesting on the, over the long haul. If everybody shares the same opinion, there's a uh, a tech podcast I listen to called Mac break weekly. And it's one of my favorite tech podcasts, even though I'm not an Apple user because of the, uh, the expertise of the panel, but the panel has uh, a bunch of different experts but one guy is a journalist, like a, a, an actual print journalist, and another guy is a businessman. He runs a, uh, a media company that does, like, gigantic, huge media work. So his point of view is the point of view of of capitalism, basically, and the journalist's point of view is the point of view of an old-school, staid journalist. So when they look at... And you wouldn't think these things would be uh, at loggerheads with each other, but they are. And it makes sure. for... And these guys are great friends, so they're not... They, they are great friends, but they fight sometimes on the show because of their opposing philosophies. And knowing that these guys are great friends, but they go at it like this, basically about the 
philosophies of Apple as a company make the show, which is already one of my favorite shows, so much more interesting. Sure. And it also gives you a larger overview of, of what that is, of what Apple is as a corporate entity. Love that kind of stuff. Absolutely. That that insight is it's irreplaceable. Like it, it th- th- that's so important. And I know that we're out here just making the yuck yucks and talking about fucking. I was gonna say Pokemans, but that's <laughs> I'm too old for that. That that's a young man's game, uh, Pokemans. <laughs> but you give me Magic the Gathering every day, any the, day. The but... Yu Gi Ohs or whatever the kids are into, the Beyblades, yeah, they're, whatever they're, they're into. Na- Naruto's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know the things that we talk about on any of the shows on GY are are not really that important when it comes down to like survival of the species and stuff, but celebrating the things you love is important and being exposed to things that you might love is important. You know, like a lot of people have messaged us saying, Hey, I didn't know about this thing and I saw it or watched it or read it. And uh, now I'm obsessed. That's a great feeling, but you always have to keep in mind that having a, uh, a voice in this, very complicated and loud world uh, gives you some responsibility with it as well. You can't just like have a microphone and people are listening to it and think you can say whatever you want and it's fine. That That's a conversation that's happening a lot right now with podcasting is, is where's the responsibility lie. And I, I don't think it's a freedom of speech issue because that's a government thing. If the government was like, you can't say that, then I would say, uh, fuck, you can't. You can say whatever you want. Um, this is a matter of um, culturally a responsibility. Uh, th- that's not something that you're going to get arrested for, but it's something that's expected in a modern society is that if you yell fire in a theater, that's not okay. If you wind up people just to get their reactions, that's not okay. If you, if you don't consider the negative effect that your, that your voice might have on someone, then you're an asshole. And you and you shouldn't like that's not okay. Um, if you were like, like say, make fun of somebody that called in that was feeling suicidal, <laughs> you know, like your voice has power, uh, yeah. and it can and it can do a lot. And so something as simple as bringing in a different difference of opinion, or if you're talking about something like conspiracy theories, or you're talking about COVID or or something, something as simple as saying. Now, this is me spitballing. I'm, I'm not the one that would know about this, but what about, you know, where you're you're quantifying where you are on the spectrum of, of expertise. So you're not just an equal-sized box with the person that has been spending 30 years of their life researching the thing. You're self-recognizing that, like, okay, they're the one that maybe knows better, but um, what about this? Okay, that's a dumb question, clearly, because I'm not that guy, you know? Everybody wants to be the 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 be all know all of everything. Um, and because we have the internet, we think we can be, and that's bullshit. Learn how to research better on the internet. And w- even if you can research better, don't think that just because you read a Wikipedia article that you're an expert on the thing. Yes, Joe Rogan, do- we're talking to you directly. <laughs> I'm talking to not just podcasters, but like everyone is that we all have a social responsibility to be more responsible with the way that we use this incredible incredible thing we call the internet where we have access to all this information and take that beautiful civilization changing technology and use it to make people think that Russian prostitutes peed on Trump. uh, And also there's a bunch of people that eat babies uh, to get immortality. Like, okay, that's funny on like the onion, (laughs) but if you're treating it like real facts, um, that's not okay. Like that's, 
taking away our ability to have objective truth in in our in our cultures and without objective truth our civilization falls apart and we're seeing that now we all have a responsibility to be better and do better and be smarter but better from here is what we're saying better from here so the future of podcasting hopefully is is that better from here hopefully with so much information out there as a uh, as a consumption public we become more discerning and smarter about what we take in and what we present hopefully we become smarter and more discerning about what we present as we express ourselves or hopefully as as things go on and more podcasts come out it at the very least dilutes the misinformation is that if there's you know enough voices screaming at the same time there isn't as much of an opportunity for you know a bunch of people to hear the same person ranting about i don't like chickens are actually reptile alien people here to like take over so whatever crap and be like oh you think that too cool and then form like a group little group i think that covers most avenues as it relates to podcasting is there anything else that you'd like to uh drop here as related to the subject well if if you're okay with it i am more than happy to talk about a collaboration that we're planning on doing oh most definitely Okay. Um, the, the show Smack My Pitch Up is a definitely a, a project of love that I've been doing for a couple of years now, getting close to its 100th episode. And due to just the time and, and availability, it's been more of a challenge for me to get these episodes out. And because Tondi has been, A, a longtime supporter of the show, and when he's been on, uh, such a great guest, the conversation started developing of, like, what would the show look like if we had two hosts instead of one? And made it more of a, a static show with occasional guests, maybe. But just uh, the two of us chatting about reboots, remakes, reimagining, sequels, sidequels, and adaptations of movies. And so that is the game plan moving forward, is that uh, Tandy is going to be my co-host on Smack My Pitch Up. And he's gonna officially officially going to be a Geeks Under the Influence showrunner uh, as my co-host of the, of the, uh, of the show. So. Yes, it is very cool. I'm excited. Smack My Pitch Up is, as far as... The, the fan casting genre of podcasts go the best idea for a fan casting show that I've heard. I really love the concept. So I'm excited to jump in here and just uh, squish my fingers around. It's it, it's high on the creativity, high on the old brain stimulation. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what we can do with this. It's going to be a good time. Definitely. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this new version of it uh, looks like and the new logo. Cause I have to make a new logo, which Oh darn! I get to play with art stuff. Um, that's <laughs> oh, whatever time. shall I do? Yeah, right. So definitely, uh, we are planning on uh, next week recording the first episode. So either next week or the week after. I'm not sure when this this episode releases either, but around the time of this release, uh, within at least probably a couple of weeks, uh, you'll be seeing the new and improved uh, Smack My Pitch Up with with Hobbit and Tandy. Yeah, and I'll be promoting it heavily, so you'll see it everywhere. Sweet, excellent. I'm excited. All right. Well, before we get out of here, go ahead and promote what you're doing. I mean, this this entire episode is a lot of that, but where can they find you? <laughs> uh, the easiest way to keep track of anything that we're doing with the network is to hit our homepage. That's GYPodcast.com. It's got links to all of our social media, uh, links to all the different shows. It's got like play menus for all the different shows right on the website or links to your favorite podcast aggregator, Spotify, Apple, or what have you available for all the different shows as well. And 
we're always open to new ideas for even types of, of shows on the network or episodes for different shows. So reach out, join the conversation. We're always interacting with our, with our uh, listeners and stuff on, on the social media stuff. So we're always looking forward to it. Definitely check out Smack My Pitch Up once, once Tommy's on and, uh, or listen to previous episodes. You can yeah, hear how much worse it was before he it joined. Is, yeah. <laughs> what, one of my favorites was the Predator episode that I did with you, where you literally came up with the concept for the movie <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu starring Nicolas Cage before the trailer <laughs> dropped for it. Before Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Was nothing was, new under the sun. It was so It was like much two fun. months, like two months after we did that episode and I see this trailer and it's, it's real close. Like it's real close to your pitch. Oh, it was great. Nick Cage, he 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 can turn a movie around in like three weeks. So who knows? Maybe someone to listen to the episode and went, Yeah, we can knock this out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there. Yeah. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at janky old broke hobo spider man at Jonathan Blade. Check out my YouTube channel, Jonathan Blade One. I'm actually putting some new stuff up there this week or next week because it's it's mostly a dead channel, but I do put up stuff from time to time. Uh, but until then, as always, thanks for listening.